0: This is The Cole Memo. I'm your host, Cole Preston. Every episode is released in audio, video, and transcript formats. To find the uh, transcript, audio, or video version of any episode, please refer to the description of the episode that you're listening to now. Within that description, you can find a link which will take you to our website, which will display the transcript for this episode, and the platforms where you can find this episode in audio or video formats. If you're unable to locate the episode description on whichever platform you're listening from, I get it. Every platform is different. Simply note the episode number and visit thecolememo.com. From there, you can find the corresponding episode, and then you'll be able to access the audio, video, and transcript version of the episode. You might also find any links that we referenced during the episode so that you might be able to do your own research. That's always encouraged. If you're not listening to this episode of The Cole Memo on Patreon, then you're listening to this episode later than our patrons. To become a patron, go to the slash Patreon. Once again, that's the slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It's a great way to support our show, but one of the best ways to support our show is free. Share it with your friends, subscribe to or follow our show, give it a thumbs up or whatever options you have. Your engagement and support is appreciated. Today is December 19th, 2023, and we're continuing our series on Hash Wednesday. I'm so excited to be joined by Debbie Goldsberry. Do you go by Debbie? Or
1: Yes, that's right. Awesome.
0: Perfect. Should have asked that before we went on air. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: Great. I'm good. I'm assuming you go by Cole. Hi, Cole.
0: (laughs) Nice to meet you.
1: Very good to meet you as well. Thank you. Whoa, what is that stuff you're drinking? It's blue.
0: Yeah, so it's Gatorade uh infused with cannabis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, best answer ever. Okay, perfect. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's actually it's pretty strong too.
1: There soon too. Like in yeah, 80. it is actually gonna be yeah,
0: 420 soon.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> gonna have to get it sparked up and I guess poured up in this That's case. So
1: funny.
0: Um but anyways, you know, as I mentioned, we're gonna be talking about hash Wednesday. Um, I want to get to Hash Wednesday, but before we get to Hash Wednesday, and and I want to ask you what is Hash Wednesday, of course, from your perspective. But before we get to that, um, I think it's important to estab- establish that, you know, you went to the University of Illinois. I True. think that's awesome. And that uh, so how did you find yourself at the University of Illinois? That's what I wanted to start off with.
1: Well, I grew up in Illinois and I always wanted to go to University of Illinois. So that's what I did.
0: Gotcha. And what did you study?
1: Um, I was there only two years. I never graduated. I studied uh, rhetoric and political science. I did my junior, my freshman, sophomore years there. Nice. Well, and and... technically, I was there my junior year, but um, was I?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Were you actually there? I see, it's debatable. You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> was there three years but i only got two years of actual school credit in during that time
0: gotcha gotcha so
1: yesterday was my last day of college so the the 35 year journey i i finished up my classes yesterday so yeah congrats uh, cal state east bay out here in california and uh yeah i hit the 4.0 so ever since i went uh, yeah ever since i went back to college i had the 4.0 university of illinois um yeah not so much but there we go so I was there.
0: You just weren't ready yet. You had other things to accomplish.
1: (laughs) Well, that's very sweet of you to say that. Yes. So and I did leave to start my first cannabis organization. you maybe talked to Josh about it some, but the Cannabis Action Network. So I figured like, you know, the time has come. Why am I going to take out more loans and go to school longer when I've already know what I want to do and I'm already doing it. So, yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. So before we, before I ask you what is Hash Wednesday, I want you, I want you to cue that up. How you would answer that, but before you answer that, I'm just curious. I always like to ask everybody this: like, when and how did you first hear about it?
1: Um. Okay. I was a student. I was there in '85, fall of '85 and '86. I was pretty straight, although believe me, I was all about the quarter beers. Hopefully, they don't do that anymore. But yeah, we we're all about the quarter beers as 18 and 19 year olds. But um, uh, eventually my uh, the RA at the boys dorm over there um, turned us on the weed. So, um, so the second I tried marijuana, I was like, well, why would I ever want alcohol again? This stuff is like, this is the way to go. So um, I probably knew about Hash Wednesday before I started using cannabis, but as soon as I started using cannabis, that's when I started attending Hash Wednesday. So I'm guessing that was 1986, but the first, um, big pot rally I went to was the great the great Midwest Marijuana Harvest Festival if you ever heard of that one from Madison Wisconsin Mm -hmm. so we started smoking weed journey to Madison Wisconsin that one was big like 10,000 people or something like that and then attended our own you know festival after that so yeah
0: that's cool and I'm just curious do you remember so you answered when do you remember how you first heard about Hash Wednesday though like was it in passing? Did you see a grid. sign? Everyone
1: knew about Hash Wednesday. It was just everyone already knew. I don't know if you know about this or anybody told you about this, but do you know? Do you know that we were all searching for the elusive cannabis fields on uh, on campus? Also, that there was this rumor, which actually was true, as it turns out, I found out years later that there was a, a you know, like a DEA licensed marijuana field on campus, and so we were uh, we already were out. Like, we've got to find that place. But it had gotten shut down by the DEA like the year before I got there. But um, but yeah, I eventually met the researcher who actually had a DEA license to grow. grow. Can I tell you the story, Cole? This is a side note, but this is what this yeah. guy was. He was a student there, probably a grad student. And and so he applied for um, a grant or however it is you get a program on campus and a license to the DEA to grow marijuana to find molds and mildews that will kill marijuana. That was his sailing point to the DEA, right? We're gonna kill marijuana with molds and mildews. He was not doing that. He was trying to figure out how to stop the molds and mildews from killing the weed. So so he actually ha- had a field of marijuana on campus. He had the license from the DEA and he was growing on campus. But he told me that a uh, DEA came by one day and they're like, where's the control plants, guys? <laughs> they had smoked the control plants. So uh, um, DEA pulled their license. So we were searching for the elusive field that had been like licensed and then shut down by DEA because the, the college students had smoked the control plants.
0: That's crazy. I did not. I don't I don't recall hearing about this. Um, do you remember approximately like how how long it was open or when it was open? I've o- The reason I ask is because I've only ever heard of a University of Mississippi growing you know
1: yeah this had that same license um it would have been in the early 80s because i think it closed down right before i got there if i'm not mistaken so yeah
0: very you know, cool i got wow. there in
1: 80, 85 like i said so yeah early 80s yeah john, i can't remember that guy's name john something yeah
0: <laughs> yeah that's crazy
1: so funny yeah so we were always trek. we're stoned trekking around campus looking for this you know the elusive cannabis field that didn't exist anymore but yeah, we just always knew about Hash Wednesday, and that was that. So,
0: And so, the question of the hour, from from your perspective, what was Hash Wednesday?
1: Um, well, at college campuses all across to everywhere, and in some big cities, like in the 70s, all, all the hippies and students were doing these, like, smoke-ins. It was part of the anti-war protest. So, there were smoke-ins all around the U.S. and at a lot of college campuses, like, that great Midwest marijuana harvest fest. There was um, Ann Arbor uh, Hash Bash. Uh, Washington D.C. had their Fourth of July smoking. New York City had their uh, marijuana, annual marijuana march, and then a, a few little campuses, a few campuses had smokings too. So we had a, we just happened to be one of the campuses that hopped on the smoking bandwagon, thanks to these two like stoner guys from the seventies. Um, Bruce uh, uh, Bethel and another guy, I forget what the other guy's name is, who just like started Hash Wednesday. So um, it was like a, a remnant of this throwback movement from the 70s, just one of the smokers that just kept on going and kept on going. I mean, it took me so many years, I mean, to put together the importance of University of Illinois in the movement to legalize cannabis. But little did we know at that time that one of the reasons why it was so endearing there and Hash Wednesday had took place and why it was still going, why everyone loved cannabis over there is that like things like um, the guy who founded Normal was a college student there, a national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. The editor of High Times Magazine grew up in Champaign-Urbana and was all around campus and Chef Ra, the, the famous ganja chef from High Times was still, he was there I mean, how do we know about Hash Wednesday? Because Chef Rao was always roller skating around campus in like tie-dyes and dreadlocks, you know, uh, living the the weed lifestyle. And he was a famous high times author at the time. So I had joined the campus normal group back then. Um, and uh, you know, I didn't know I didn't know that all this cannabis stuff, you know, had emanated from champaign Urbana. So yeah, Hash Wednesday was just part of an endearing and long-lasting legacy of cannabis on the campus. So yeah
0: yeah and i'm curious can you confirm is this uh is this you in this headline here let me get this out of the way
1: oh my gosh let's see oh my god yeah that's me all right that's you oh look at his baby josh yeah that's me that is definitely me oh you got to send me a clip of that
0: yeah definitely will
1: so funny what's with that haircut that's that's a short that's the 1980s short haircut growing out we all had like that you know short the hair in the 80s so this is when i was growing my hair out from the 80s yeah it's and so funny do you oh. remember this picture being taken what's that
0: do you remember this event do you remember
1: forum panel members reject marijuana smokers articles what is it uh-uh no i don't remember this at all
0: so it says a group of university illinois students who support legalization of marijuana couldn't smoke out much sympathy at a community forum on drug education and prevention about 10 UI students who belong to the local chapter of Normal, as you mentioned you were a part of, appeared Thursday night at the Champaign City building to argue that marijuana is a, quote, soft drug that should not be classified with more dangerous hard drugs Told like crack so. cocaine.
1: Told you so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is awesome. Isn't this cool to see this that old?
1: so funny. That's yeah, funny.
0: I'll definitely get you this. Um,
1: I think I have a picture of me walking into Hash Wednesday, but like the year before when my hair is actually still short, I've still got the 80s, the 80s cut going. So Yeah.
0: So I guess this was October 13th, 1989. That's when this was printed. Oh,
1: 89, huh? Ooh. yeah. Can I wear my favorite overalls. I
0: am. Oh, hey. yep. Yeah. Get your overalls on. <laughs> I didn't even notice that until you said that. Uh,
1: uh, that's funny.
0: That's cool so did you say you do remember this no no Uh -uh. no were you high i'm just joking you don't remember it
1: (laughs) did josh say he remembered it
0: he no but he did say let me put this back up he did say it brought back well i think he i can't remember if i directly asked him if, if he remembered the photo itself but he said he remembers this guy he says this guy was not a big fan of him (laughs) <laughs> of Josh. He also said, Wow, I forgot that I had that shirt. So uh, it yeah, set... this
1: shirt looks so familiar. I think that's That's from Washington, DC. Rock against uh racism, I think. But maybe Yeah.
0: He said uh the story behind it is he told us the whole story, some protest he did. Uh it says Ron sells crack. And I think it's mm-hmm. referring to um maybe it doesn't say Ron. I'm not sure, but it's referring to the Bushes funding the Contras back in the day or something like that, like that whole. Surely. You know what I'm talking about? I'm a little.
1: Because, yes, of course, they were selling cocaine to buy weapons for their underground supplying weapons. What was to Iran or something like that? I forget exactly. But Yeah. yeah. I mean, this was the height of the drug war. These were nightmare days for civil liberties, for cannabis users, for people who were using harder drugs. This was, these, these were night absolute nightmare years. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't imagine, like, it's crazy. The reason I started this podcast, and like in a little bit, I'll be smoking a joint on this podcast, and I do that comfortably, is because the progress we've made. I can't imagine, like... You know, back in the day, <laughs> for example, there's this photo that we have, we interviewed a participant of Hash Wednesday, I'll have to find it and show it to you if I can find it. I've got quite a lot of photos here, so I'll just skim through them. But um, he's, they've got a picture of him just smoking a bong on the square. And I was like, dude, I wasn't even comfortable to do that until 2020 when we like legalized weed. And even then I was still a little worried about like my job.
1: No, my very first hash Wednesday, I remember attending was uh, 20, um, no, sorry, 19, um, 19, uh, God, what year would have been 87, 1987. Um, There was only probably a hundred people, something like that, right in the center of the quad there, but somebody had brought a, a, a 30 foot bong. Not not a small bong, a 30-foot bong, mind you, and a lifeguard chair because you had to sit on the lifeguard chair to be able to smoke the bong. So that's how free 1987 Hash Wednesday was. 30-foot <laughs> bong. That was impressive.
0: That's awesome. We have a similar picture where students are standing on other students' shoulders to hit a really large bong. That's
1: probably the same year.
0: Yeah, I'll have to find that photo. But anyways, uh, while I while I find that, what do you uh, what do you remember about your time at Hash Wednesday? Um, Any notable memories?
1: Okay. I remember, first of all, like the very first time I smoked weed, like I told wow. you it was on campus. And I just thought, like, the government's lying to us. That's all there is to it. Like the government is lying to us. I couldn't even believe how obvious it was just with one, you know, kind of can't smoke cannabis once really understand that the government's lying to you but that's that's what it was so for us just like in the 60s it was a subversive act to get together in the center of cannabis and or campus and bring a uh, bring a um you know 30 foot bong smoke cannabis and smoke joints it was it was subversive it felt subversive it felt like we were trying to send a message to the war on drugs that we know you're lying and also it was fun as heck. I mean, it really was just a, a party and a celebration. It didn't have a big political vibe. There was no politics. Nobody was like having booths or passing out flyers or anything. People were just like sharing marijuana. Um, so yeah, it was a smoking, just a pure, like, let's get together and smoke.
0: So, That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I just found the photo on my phone. I'm going to have to send it to myself. <laughs> um, it's But it's crazy to think that that it was just that casual um you know what i mean because even today and we'll get to this later i don't mean to 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 skip ahead to today i kind of want to stay back in the good old days for a little bit and with hash wednesday and stuff but today i mean especially since the university of illinois is now a smoke-free campus but setting that aside you don't see any like outdoor events and cannabis is legal now so to think that you guys were doing it back then it's like
1: Yeah. pretty crazy everyone just looked forward to it every year and uh you know we didn't even have any good weed back then it was all imported you know brick weed basically so but that's what we had yeah my dog, got by way, dog's back there barking I hope he's not being annoying
0: oh it's it's okay we've uh you know animals are uh commonplace here I've got cats they'll pop up sometimes you know
1: okay good yeah but yeah it was a good time it was so fun but of course we'll have to eventually talk about 1988 which you probably heard about from a number of people but yeah
0: yeah, i was actually just about to ask you about 1988 because i've got um i've got some uh pictures here of headlines from 1988 um maybe you could uh springboard us and maybe uh we'll see if i know what you're talking about
1: Oh, the 19, between 1987 and 88, the war on drugs really heated up and, you know, the partnership for a drug free America and, um, and, uh, and the federal government really started cracking down. So what we heard from our perspective is that, um, Ronald Reagan had told the campus that if they didn't stop that Hash Wednesday baloney that they were going to start losing some of their federal funding so when we showed up just like innocent uh, naive cannabis users just ready to skip into the center campus and have our festival just like it had been going on for you know a dozen years by then um no like that picture showed you I mean to us our buddy Rex got beat up by the police like they that's that could even be Rex. They just totally beat him bloody and hauled him off to jail. So for people who are just like cannabis is good, the government's lying to us. We're not doing anything except being nice and having fun, and, uh, gentle people. To have the police come in and beat students bloody, it was just crazy. It was just unthinkable and, and shocking. So it is really my political The moment I became a political activist, that that's that's this moment.
0: And here you can
1: clubs, s- and they were beating people literally beating students bloody.
0: Wow, yeah, you can see them going through the crowd. And it says, uh, down here, it says this person was uh, Laura Baltres was placed on a stretcher after being injured, and in the pushing and shoving that occurred as police made arrests.
1: It was terrible, terrible, just such a hypocrisy and just a nightmare. So, yeah, the word was it was Ronald Reagan threading threatening to pull funding and the campus reacting by sending the police in to beat us bloody Rex the police got Rex is do
0: yeah. you think that's Rex there
1: that could be Rex yeah
0: wow that is just
1: a lot of the students went went limp when they were getting arrested um so we're using some of the tactics of still the 60s kind of protests
0: hmm I see that here where he's kind of yeah Go being ahead. dragged
1: yeah
0: yeah that's very interesting um
1: or arrest oh yeah i remember it was raining
0: yeah and here you can see uh this person saying stop hash wednesday enforce the law do you remember this person
1: no what a crazy though but uh, remember i don't know if they still have those there but the campus preachers uh-huh I think that might've been one of the campus preachers who came to campus and would just yell in the center of campus about anything.
0: Correct. I, uh, (laughs) I think I met this person. Yes. I actually asked them if they'd like to be a part of the series thinking that, you know, Hey, I'll give the opposition some airport. Cause I, I I don't know if you know anything about my show, Debbie, but I'll have people, I've had people on that don't believe cannabis should be legal because I am confident in what I believe in. And so, you know, If somebody, just because somebody disagrees, doesn't mean I'm going to, um, I I don't know. I'm not going to shy away from that conversation in hopes that I could inform them or educate them of my perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so I gave him that opportunity and, and at least I think it's this person. I don't know exactly that it is this person, but it was a person that wrote a letter to the editor saying that they do not believe cannabis should be. Uh, cannabis use should be permitted, and that hash Wednesday should be stopped. And they were even saying something to the effect of the uh, it, it, the university needs to enforce the law, which you can see that as part of the sign. So that that, that's point. probably that person. I'm not sure. Yeah,
1: but. I'm not sure either, but yeah, the atmosphere had totally changed. Not from our side; but we were just like, like I said, almost just like so innocent, just lambs. We just they just slaughtered us. We weren't expecting it. Uh, we didn't understand that the war on drugs how violent it was um how indiscriminate it was um how why why made no it made absolutely no sense that they were attacking marijuana like this
0: yeah yeah it's crazy it's crazy now i heard from different people that that was a very traumatic event um to, to have gone through from your perspective Was it, was it traumatic? You know, was it just like, just some, we
1: were were just mad because the university told like, we had that little normal group, right? The university said, well, Hash Wednesday's over. It's never coming back. And we were just like, oh, you're so wrong. You, you have no idea how wrong you are. Uh, We'll be back next year. And not only that, we're going to go to every single campus in Illinois next year. That's how mad you've made us. And we did. So um, we did events, um, on all the state campuses and some of the private school campuses the next year.
0: Wow. I think I heard, I did hear about that. I think like Carbondale and.
1: St- yeah. 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 That was the start of the hemp tours. And, you know, we ended up doing about a thousand events, but all inspired by Hash Wednesday and the university telling us you'll never be back. We're just like, You're so wrong. <laughs> You're so wrong. You have no idea how wrong you are. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. That's that that's it that is so funny
0: yeah and see it took me a while folks that are watching uh it took me a while to realize that he is standing on somebody's shoulders
1: because <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah i
0: totally assumed he was on a ladder or something
1: yeah i remember the lifeguard chair so maybe this is even like maybe it happened a couple years or maybe i'm misremembering who the heck yeah i
0: can't remember which year this this photo is from to be honest um, i
1: remember the bong being like one of those big swiss pipes or whatever that just like goes out forever you know like a rico lie thing yeah that is so funny i That's used to ho- have i had a, a three six and nine a, a nine foot bong back in those days so that was holy crap! <laughs>
0: wow i feel like something like that is hard to conceal
1: <laughs> well because we all had those uh The graphics bongs they came in. You can get your six three foot bong and then you get your extensions. That you get the you get two three foot extensions. So that's how you get your, you know. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's hilarious.
0: Yep. Um but it's got
1: shut down by uh Operation Pipe Dream when the war on drugs went after all the suppliers. Like Tommy Chong went to prison and yeah, those graphics people got hit super hard. Yeah.
0: It's crazy. I read that during that time. Or the operation pipe dream but there was also this idea of uh like horticulture stores they were like asking people like for their inventory of like what they've sold to people to try to oh, determine
1: wow. for sure that was absolutely happening. i forget what that one was called and there was uh operation dead end happening at the same time too where they were targeting grateful dead grateful dead followers and the grateful dead parking lot the grateful dead scene wow yeah. Green Merchant. Green Merchant. I think that's the one that hit the pot shops or the uh, the grow shops operation. Green Merchant.
0: Yeah. And it really just does seem that, you know, all these crowds that we're naming off, like you say, it was kind of during the anti-war movement. And um, yeah. How do you how do you criminalize that position? Well, let's criminalize something that they all use.
1: You know. right? Yeah, of course, that was always the strategy right from Nixon. When he started the war on drugs, he was pretty, you know, he got caught saying that, of course, on tape. We're just going to target people using drugs. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you nailed it with that one. For sure, but it, it was a big backfire because the thing is, is that um, this is what I always thought. How on earth would you try and tell us that cannabis is going to fry our brains like an egg when number one, we've all used it and we know that it's helpful and fun and mellow and kind and gentle and we feel better. And two, we're in university learning logic and, you know, how are you going to make, you're going to force feed us some something that's the most illogical thing we've ever heard right in our formative years? That's never going to work. Was it the idiotic idea in the first place that you can out educate us with fake news basically it just was the biggest backfire ever so you just made us mad so
0: yeah i always thought it was also kind of dangerous too because i I always worried like if if you know the youth thought well they lied to me about this what else are they lying to me about like that's either a really good thought you know because healthy skeptic healthy skepticism all that you know yeah but it could be a scary thought too you know you want sometimes you want the youth to listen to the lessons of the you know former generations i guess
1: so absolutely makes sense to me too so all yeah all drugs aren't created equally although they should be treated equally under the law you know what i mean personal choice and responsibility and safe drugs should all be available but um I don't know. It was a hot mess. And at the same time, for us, it was, it was, it was so bad what was happening to marijuana users. It was even worse that was happening to crack cocaine users or the, the, the Grateful Dead um, fans that were getting caught with liquid LSD and being charged for the volume of the water weight, you know, getting life sentences for, you know, a thousand hits of LSD, but because it was in water, suddenly it's enough to get a life sentence. So yeah even in the height of the war on drugs the casual marijuana user well almost a million a year were being arrested by the feds so that's not getting off easy uh, but it was even worse for people of color uh people in highly impacted neighborhoods the could the crack c- cocaine users and yeah everything that i've just mentioned so to have of course 800,000 people got arrested because the police are cowards and they wanted to show that there's this huge problem in a war on drugs and we have to arrest people. They're going to arrest a a million cannabis users because they're not afraid of us. You know, they were never really out there getting the worst criminals. They were just trying to get their numbers so they could get their funding and, you know, forfeit the cars and drive Camaros because they took them from a pot dealer, you know, just craziness, absolute craziness.
0: Yeah. And that's just it. Like to hear, you know, of people that, that could have, you know, gone to, oh, your dog's adorable uh, prison for like, yeah, because of the water weight or whatever. And it's just like, when you contrast that with like, look, I'm not saying our prison, our prison, our criminal justice system is perfect, obviously it needs a lot of work, but I'm just saying like on its face, just you know, I know that, that there is a lot of nuance to this, but on its face, when you consider that we've been putting people in jail for nonviolent offenses with people that have violent offenses, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that jail is, I'm not saying that, you know, people can't be rehabilitated. And I'm not saying that jail is a place for rehabilitation. It seems like very much the opposite. Like it doesn't seem like it helps people. But I'm just saying, when you consider that on its face, that, that's what we're doing. It just—it seems so crazy, you know.
1: Makes no sense. It's just it. Uh, you gotta follow the money. Then why are we doing it? It's because just like everything else, few, a few very wealthy, already wealthy people figured out a way to make money off the war on drugs. You know, be it through the private prison system, uh, be it through the urine testing industry, uh, be it through um, you know, policing, uh and just as usual greed wins the day when it comes to a a society built on capitalism and uh people became numbers that became nothing but potential money into the prison system um prison industry sprouted up you know where prisoners are locked up virtually in indentured servitude making products for almost nothing making other people rich it's just really gross it's really bad
0: well said well said well um What kind of impact you've kind of touched on it in many different ways by saying, you know, how these hash bashes or whatever you want to call them, how they've continued and how they did spread to other universities. But just in case we didn't cover all bases, I'm just curious what you think the impact that Hash Wednesday had on, again, not only the University of Illinois campus culture, but the broader community.
1: Well, I think it impacted everyone that attended. I mean, there was probably thousands and thousands of people over the dozen years that it was a full-blown smoking that attended that experienced freedom in a way that maybe a lot of other people didn't get a chance to experience. And that still lives within us. And we know what we're working for again, right? Just the total freedom to be nice and kind and gentle and include cannabis in that in that lifestyle choice and gathering together because we just wanted to get together smoke cannabis and be nice to each other. What? Why not, why not? And that we can't do it right now, it still begs the question, why not? I was driving around my campus the other day, um, just uh, getting in there um, to my uh, parking spot. And I was thinking, um, how come there's not a little outdoor place that we can get together and smoke cannabis? That makes no sense whatsoever because what a nice way to get together and find your people, you know, find your, you you have a commonality instantly if you share your love of cannabis because of a lot of different reasons, but just because cannabis makes you feel better and you're kind of like just a vibing, you know, it opens up your energy so that you're ready to accept uh, new people, new experiences and uh, share yourself with people in a way you might not otherwise do. So why aren't we giving students who need to experience that very thing a chance to get together and bond over cannabis. Let's start Hash Wednesday again, Cole. Like in a big way. Let's just show up and you know, see what happens. Let's let's ask for a a permit or, you know, ask where we're gonna go. I don't know. I don't know how we do it, but there should be Hash Wednesday again on campus.
0: And that's actually one of my questions that let's that I'd it. like to bring up. Maybe maybe not on campus, just because you know I want to be respectful of the smoke-free Illinois Act and maybe other students and such. Oh uh, but okay. but yeah. I've got ideas, you I know what that. I mean? Um, I,
1: get, I get it. I'm sorry. My, no, 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 don't apologize. Uh, campus. There has got to be a place on a college campus that every campus could put a little absolutely a little spot in. You know. And
0: let's not pretend that kids don't. I mean, look, kids smoke cigarettes. Like, I've been on campus, so, like, I'm just saying in terms of, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, fuck it, let's do it on the quad. But I'm trying to figure out, you know,
1: uh, cannabis included in that Illinois law that you just said, because a lot of times cannabis not included in laws like that.
0: I think it I think it is, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it is. But my thought was and we'll get to this, maybe doing it at the Capitol Springfield, because, you know.
1: Oh my no? god!
0: you don't like that idea
1: for fun isn't the idea to have fun well
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: where's the capital let me picture it i can't even picture the capital anymore i can only picture the old Capitol building
0: yeah yeah no yeah absolutely the idea is for it to be fun and like i said we'll we'll get back to that but um did count you did Whatever you or what's that
1: count me in hell yeah I mean, wherever we're getting together to smoke weed i'll do it
0: Hell yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've got, I've asked, I think each participant at this point now, and they've all said, yes, they'd be up for it. They, that I just need to let them know when and where. So it sounds like we might be having a good one, but um, you mentioned some people that you knew uh, that faced legal consequences. Did you or any other people, you know, ever face legal consequences or, or just even like scary stories, you know, those stories where you almost got caught Uh, related to your participation in Hash Wednesday, or your just cannabis use in general?
1: Not a Hash Wednesday, no. Um, no problems in Champaign Urbana at all. Uh, trying to think if we take took any precautions to protect ourselves, but not really. Um. But yeah, overall, heck yeah, every kind of problem with the police, from acts of forfeiture to felony arrest to misdemeanor arrest to you name it, harassment of every kind, uh, being threatened, having my friends arrested, having my friends threatened. Yeah, the feds took $100,000 from me once, um, and so on. (laughs) Yes.
0: Whoa, $100,000 from you in college?
1: No, as a grown up.
0: Oh, okay. So just like related to your cannabis uh activities.
1: (laughs) Through the dispensary.
0: Okay, yeah, cool. I want to ask you about that. Uh we're just about done with with Hash Wednesday in the University of Illinois. I just wanted to ask you, um, were there any other memorable or significant moments or incidents or happenings or just funny stories that happened in your experience at Hash Wednesday or just being a kid in college that you wanted to share?
1: Uh um, well, at Hashman's Day, I can't think of anything, but I remember, you know, in college we would, um, every, uh, there was this one summer where we got a house and we would throw ca- cannabis parties every single week and everyone would come like maybe 25, 30, 40 people, maybe more. We'd all just get whatever kind of cannabis we could. And then we would host games. So we had the bong Olympics. We had the, uh, we had the, uh, we would do everything. We'd do every crazy thing. So yeah, the, the stoners back then, we were having a really good time. We thought it was fun to get together to smoke cannabis, but we're being really creative. You know, like we wanted to get together and like, let's do some crazy something to make it really fun. So we we would just get together every weekend and uh, do a cannabis game or party or something, but I always had something happening, you know, like. Yeah, often involving that 6 foot bong or 9 foot bong. For for us for our 9 foot bong, you had to yet the person lighting the bong had to be on the first floor and the person smoking it had to be on the second floor. So, that's how we got around that. So, I was a bong Olympic champion in the 6 and the 9 foot bong back in college. So, that's big news on a personal level, but as far as impacting impactful for a greater crowd, I don't know. Do
0: you still have your medals? <laughs>
1: I really wanted to, I have a box in my garage. That's like high school and college. I got to open that thing up. That's going to be a time capsule. That's for sure.
0: That's funny. Well, um, so let me see if I had any other hash Wednesday questions. Um, this will open us up to talk about what happened, you know, in your personal and I guess now academic life that you just, as you mentioned, you just graduated. Congrats again. Um, can you share any insights into how Hash Wednesday may have influenced your personal or academic life uh, during your time at UIC and after?
1: Oh, absolutely! Because uh, because sorry, my dogs. Unlocked. I'm gonna That's lock my dogs out again. Yes. Um, when the cops busted Hash Wednesday, like I said, we were so upset, and they're telling us we're never going to be back. And And instead we told him we'd be back for going to every campus, but we did not want to do it alone. So we just started calling everyone we could think of. We like got a high times magazine. We called high times and, and we managed to hook up with Steve Hager, who was the editor of high times. And the reason he cared, of course, like I told you, he grew up there. So he was like the police busted hash Wednesday. He was in, he was in high times. was totally with us. Um, and then we called normal um national office we didn't know that Keith Strop had been a college student there so they're the same thing hash Wednesdays busted then suddenly normal was involved so we have we have already the two biggest names in the whole industry um completely having our back because that's their hometown you know how dare the police come and do that um do you know the name Steve D'Angelo who founded the Harborside Health Center and he's kind of a big uh Steve D'Angelo's um longtime partner, uh, and they're not together right now, but they were together forever. Her name was Ruby Pearl. Ruby grew up in Champaign-Urbana, so we reached out to Steve D'Angelo. He he was a big-time activist, and he was like, also, they were just outraged, so suddenly, as we were planning our, um, our response to the police, we had normal, we had high times, we had Steve D'Angelo and the yippies, that meant the organizer of the the uh, Great Midwestern Marijuana Harvest Fest was like helping us figure out how to respond. And we had um, the organizer of the New York Marijuana March and the organizer of the uh, DC, we went out, we went big time. We're like, no way are you crushing us, no way. So we just, we found all the best um, of the best and they all came behind us. So by the time the next year came around and like I told you, we wanted to do that tour because we told them we're going to be, you know, we just have our attitude, you're trying to crush. No, you're not crushing us. We're going to be everywhere. We put together a tour and we had all those people on tour with us. So that's what happened next is that we loaded up in a caravan and we went from campus to campus with all these really true experts in the issue. And we got news everywhere. We got activists organized because on all the other campuses, the same thing was happening. The police were coming after the students. So we started to, um, it was really the start of something. We realized that how important that little tour was. And so the next season, which would have been fall, we did five states. So we did all the college campuses and the big cities in five states and took a whole caravan of people and experts. And that time we took um, LV Musica, who was getting 300 joints from the federal government for her glaucoma at the time. We took her, right? So we can't have any cannabis, but LV's got 300 joints from the feds who are trying to say cannabis going can to rot your brain. So everywhere we'd go, we'd get LV on the news like this. She's like blind in her fifties, you know, with her joints. And so, um, so the other people started to understand that the, the feds were just lying, absolutely lying. We did, we did 17 States. We did, we started doing three tours a year, two tours per season. So that would have been Five tours a year. We just went off the hook, and we did those tours burned on by Hash Wednesday. We did six six years, three seasons, five tours a year because of Hash Wednesday and how upset we were. Elvie, there's Elvie. Thank goodness LV was blind because we put her in some perilous situation. Just get in the VW bus, LV. It's got like three and three quarters of tire, tires, but you know, I think we can get from Boulder to Denver on it. So that's uh, <laughs> how we were rolling back then. But it made a huge difference. Jack Herrera joined the tour and uh, we were just everywhere. And, and we always called it planting seeds because everywhere we went, there was somebody like us that wanted to organize. So everywhere we went we left behind organizers who just took the ball and ran with it and and from that little attack on hash wednesday and that's getting so obstinate we created organizers in all across the us i mean hundreds of cities across the us in response and um we just hit the hundredth monkey you know people knew the truth the, the truth was out so i'd like to think that hash wednesday actually that that breaking point of hash wednesday 88 and our response in '89 really radically changed um, the the trajectory of the war on drugs, and uh, and we became very proactive and on the offensive, and ultimately we won. Hell yeah! Hell, Hell yeah! Yeah. yeah! Hell yeah! We did.
0: I was just uh, pulling up this since you mentioned Elv. Yeah. This isn't this isn't Elv's, but just in case folks wanted a visual on what. Is this what it looked like? What LV had? Did you ever see it?
1: And if you open it up, there would be 300 joints tightly packed into that container. And um, yeah, we just, you know, have LV there with the container kind of under her arms of, of, you know, a woman, a senior and, and 300 joints. And she would tell her story and show how the feds are actually trying to claim that it has no medical uses, but they're prescribing her 300 joints a month figure that logic out. So, you know, we would just use what we learned in college, logic, you know. Let's just talk about the logic of the war on drugs. And we'd simply show people. Here's LV's joints, here's Jack Herrera with the hemp fiber, the hemp paper, the hemp fuel, the hemp, you know, whatever products we could show off. And and then we talk about mass incarceration and criminal justice and, and the right to just have fun. I mean, come on. So, and we smoked weed everywhere. We didn't care. That was also part of it, just like hash Wednesday. We're just gonna smoke everywhere, and you know. And what that was, you know.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, tell us, you know, about what happened for you. Uh, you know, going past the the rallies and everything else. I, I don't mean to skip to the the cannabis action network, but but how do yeah. What what happens after the the rally? You know, I'm calling them rallies, hash bashes. I don't even know what to
1: protests. Tours, we have tours, tours. we have tours. That was Cannabis Action Network. After that, we uh, moved to Berkeley, California. We uh, worked really hard to collect signatures on the statewide initiative in 1996. Um, wow. and we had an office, Cannabis Action Network office. We decided uh, to move ahead, in Berkeley, California is where we decided to settle. Eventually, we. Um, after we passed the medical marijuana law, we decided in Berkeley to follow the local law, which had legalized adult use. So the state law legalized medical use, but Berkeley had legalized adult use. So we opened a adult dispensary at um, Cannabis Action Network office in 1997, um, got busted. Um, <laughs> for That's where I got my felony, but um, but we won our case because the police lied on the search warrant. They were so mad at us. Um, And they couldn't figure out how to arrest us. I had the weirdest conversation ever with the police, Cole, because we're at our thing. And it was a political movement, really. You know, we're making a point. The city had legalized it, so we were just following the law. But um, the police, this sergeant came one day and he pulled me outside. He's like, Debbie, I have to tell you, our snitches are coming in and they're trying to sell you out. And we decided not to take up the case, but they're telling the same thing to the DEA. So now we're worried about you guys. Oh my, this is the weirdest thing ever. But we just kept going. We did get busted, anyway. Since the cops were, there was just one cop. who was so mad. He lied on the search warrant. Uh, we fought the search warrant. We won, and we uh, sued the police, and we won. So um, that was my felony arrest. I'm oh. buying a VW bus and a ticket to Amsterdam with my uh, my lawsuit settlement, which seemed appropriate. Kidding
0: yeah that's awesome what was it yeah. like to get a, arrested what was that pretty crazy
1: well in Berkeley it was mellow because it was a political movement and we did have thousands of members and we were making a point and we were careful about the whole structure of the whole thing so they let me turn myself in eventually and um I just stayed in jail for about eight hours they let me bring a book and uh and that was that it wasn't a tra- traditional bust you know so it was cool. It was like political politicized arrest. So. What was a
0: dispensary like in 1997?
1: Um, for us, it was about gathering, so it was a gathering space. Um, selling cannabis was just kind of the political thing, so we did that to fund um what we considered a, a movement. We were re- everyone became a registered voter. Um, everyone signed petitions for legalization, and the idea was just like let's get together. Let's have music. Let's do what people who use cannabis really wanna do. Hang out, smoke cannabis together, listen to music, do a little politics on the side, have some coffee and tea. We'd make these really nice cannabis pizzas. They were so good. These little, We had this little local bakery that would make the, the little pizza crust for us and we would make in- cannabis infused pesto um and then just put some cheese on and toast it so we had some hemp, hemp fresh pesto can f- infused pesto hemp pizzas that was that was great um and then when we got busted what happened is is that a medical marijuana patient came up to me his name was jim mcclelland um he asked me if he wanted to uh if i wanted to start a dispensary with him so we started berkeley patients group in um 1990, uh 1999 so, a couple of years after the bust, we started Berkeley Patients Group. With that same thing, what do you want to do? You want to get together and have a good time. This isn't, uh, we're not Kaiser Health Center. You know what I mean? This is like, this is some place that you come to. Uh, we actually had named our place the Euphorium uh, Place to Be Normal. So, we wanted to h- help people understand that experiencing feelings of euphoria and happiness are perfectly normal and that we should have euphoriums, place where we get together. To feel normal together so um yeah jim was uh dying of aids and we started berkeley patients group so he lived a year but we tried to make the place like what do you want to do with the last year of your life and it was fun we wanted to have fun so um people who were sick and dying in berkeley had the best place to come to feel better Uh, and we just programmed the heck out of it with really really fun good feelings every single day so yeah, that's what came after those tours is uh, open up the weed shops. So yeah,
0: that's super cool. That's super cool. Um, I'll I'll have more questions. We'll return to it later because it ties into kind of what I'll be asking uh, to to cap off this episode. But yeah, what um, about specifically what a dispensary was like in 1997? Because to hear that, that's like crazy. Because today, at least in Illinois it depends i've been to multiple state markets and it depends on the vibe of a dispensary um you know what i mean there are some dispensaries that are definitely set up to be like super chill they've got nice music they're not rushing you at all but in most dispensaries in illinois at least it's like it very much feels like get in and get the fuck out like there's you can't even smell it you can't um and so to hear that like patients would get together and maybe even did you well I'll save those questions. Uh but it, to hear that people got together and it congregated. It wasn't just a place to dispense oh, cannabis that, and get had out. Had
1: we every kind of thing we could we had bongs on every table. We had whatever we could imagine that would be our dream. Because we were modeled on a Dutch coffee shop where yeah. you could buy your coffee, you'd just be normal, you'd sit at your table, you'd roll up your joint and you'd you know consume cannabis. So so, yeah, we modeled ourselves like that. So um, so did yeah, you
0: guys we, have like, did uh, you have purchase limits or what? What? Sorry, what were you about to say?
1: Oh, no, I was just what I was going to say is our D- Dutch friends would come to visit and they'd be like, you've made us proud. But um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we had to have purchase limits because we didn't want people being dumb and getting us in trouble because they were coming and buying from us and selling on the streets and then maybe saying like, where'd you get your weed? And then they're narking us out or something like that. Ah. So We had to have a purchase limit to make sure nobody was reselling
0: i see gotcha very interesting what was it do you remember
1: i think an ounce i can't really recall hmm. yeah like one ounce and it might have even be, been less we didn't have full access to cannabis like now too sometimes we would run low I was about we to know. ask that yeah I get an eighth today you know because that's all we have but... and
0: back then there was no seed to sale you just kind of got it from a farmer right
1: yeah but jim mcclelland was a was a farmer himself and he grew some of the best cannabis ever so we we really hung our hat on jim in fact jim wanted to start the um dispensary with one thing in mind to have the best cannabis ever so that that was the number one thing so yeah. yeah so jim grew it and we got it from other farmers
0: very cool and how did that how did that business tell us, tell me about that business. So you started it. How did it go?
1: Oh, it went great. I was there 10 years and then I became a small business consultant um, in the industry, opened another dispensary, ran for about five years. And uh, then I went back to college.
0: And then here we are.
1: Here we are. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So um,
1: my last dispensary called too was a performance cafe. Uh, we had a license for on-site consumption and we had a dab bar and um, uh, we would do cannabis farmers markets um, with consumption allowed and uh, it was good times
0: that's cool was that in california too in oakland oakland gotcha what do you remember about like your before i get to the the big topic that i basically already kind of asked you about what was it like back then um, but I've got a few more questions to add. I was just curious. I feel like we got, we stepped away from Hash Wednesday and I, um, how do you remember meeting like uh, Josh and, and people like that, that, that I've connected with? I'm just curious.
1: I think me and Josh lived in the same dorm together. If I'm remembering correctly, we hooked up at the dorms. Nice. That's, That's where cool. you kind of met your core group of friends was through the dorms. And uh, yeah, I can't remember though.
0: And they just yeah. all happened to be cool.
1: Yes. Yes, they did. So
0: Good luck. That's good yes. luck right there. <laughs>
1: uh, that's really it, cool. Yeah, my early friends were all, I mean, there was a lot of physicists, right? And like everyone was like, smoking cannabis and talking trippy stuff about physics in the universe. So it was great. Smart, stoner smart. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the vibe. Yep.
0: That's awesome. Um yeah, so the kind of the way I've been ending all these conversations is uh something that I talk about on my show all the time, which is kind of where I was asking why or what a dispensary was like in nineteen ninety seven. Um, it's uh interesting to me, like so some of the things we've already talked about, like just smoking loud and proud in the quad, like, as I mentioned, no longer allowed unfortunately just by the color of no smoking a right a
1: little spot on the edge of campus like just way there's like the frisbee golf course can we just have a corner of the frisbee golf
0: course <laughs> right right please
1: Let's just it. a tiny little corner over there on the edge yeah
0: we'll be we'll be uh you know
1: discreet about
0: it <laughs> we'll yes, be respectful
1: exactly
0: it, Anyways, though, uh, you know, things like that. So that that is actually pretty well universally a truth across the state of Illinois. Um, you can't smoke anywhere in public. There are a few consumption lounges. I've visited them visited them for this show. It's really cool. There's only a few downstate, and by a few I mean two. Actually, there's there's now three downstate. Um, but then there's like only the point is I don't know that there's more than ten in the state of Illinois and um so you know we can start there consumption is not you can't smoke cannabis wherever you can smoke cigarettes which really sucks um the, the exception is consumption lounges and i guess i would say the city of chicago the former mayor made it clear that cpd chicago police department wouldn't enforce if you were smoking on your porch or your back deck which that's cool you know cuz then but um <laughs> You know, what do you think about things like that? Like, the, I'm going to go down a list of different things I can think of, but uh, there are still, like, I feel like things we need to accomplish. And that's why I bring up, like, a Hash Wednesday, for example, because if we would be smoking in public by the color of the law, that would be illegal and that's actually kind of why it I want. Was.
1: It, it always was but even in the every moment of hash wednesday was always illegal never was it once legal when we were doing it in the 70s and 80s
0: and that's why i'm like you know what if i'm gonna invite all these people that were in hash wednesday we're not doing anything really any different um except now can the cannabis we might have purchased is quote-unquote legal just what we're what doing
1: are, they don't have an event license in illinois they have that out here special event license
0: um, Some people have found ways to to be like, well, it's a private property. And so the, the property owner says that they don't care if you consume, but it's not really yeah. written out in the law, which a, sometimes is better than better than being written out in the law, frankly, sometimes. So we we have
1: a license here that like you can get retail, dah, 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 manufacturing, cultivation, or you can get an event license. And you can get either a temporary event license, so you're just going to do one event, or you, you can get an annual event license, so you can do up to 12 events. So that's what we need in Illinois, then we just go get one of those things, you know, our annual event license, and we do Hash Wednesday somewhere.
0: Yeah, but like I say, it's almost like with 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 event licensing, I almost I've talked to a few companies that do events. And they're almost kind of like, don't touch it because because it is just easy right now the way like yes they have to find a property owner that approves of it and everything like that but as far as so but so still to my point like consuming in public just anywhere like i'm just saying i'm pretty sure in california if you have a medical card you can smoke weed anywhere you can smoke a cigarette am i wrong on that true and i know that i don't think you should have to have a medical card i mean it's better than nothing but um uh, these are the kind of shortcomings that i feel like where it's like we still have room for for uh progress adult
1: users can smoke any, anywhere tobacco too it's not just medical
0: oh cool anywhere. nice yeah. very nice i think so from your perspective are there any other things like that where you feel like there's still work to be done
1: well, event licenses for sure. And then the real work to be done is just on the capital the capital side, just the fact that all the licenses are so expensive and hard to manage. And therefore they just roll up to fewer and fewer ownership groups. And that's the real misery of the whole thing, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. What do you think about, like, it seems that in all of these states that if you don't have a license and you like sell can- cannabis or something, they still treat it as like a trafficking charge, which is like
1: oh, the exact
0: yeah. same crime as before.
1: I hadn't thought about that. In California, they changed the trafficking crimes too. So it's not Oh, they you know, did. Yeah. So they've lowered the the um yeah, they've lowered the penalties for selling cannabis on the illegal market, but it's still a crime. So in, in Oakland, we decriminalized underground sales. So our local police can't even touch it.
0: Wow. And yeah. do you, what do you think about that model? Do you think that's the way to go?
1: Uh, It's a hot mess, but um, how else are you going to get away from mass incarceration? Because it's really hard to parse that out, right? They're just sending right. people to jail. They shouldn't be sent into jail. So at po- some point, you just got to say, well, okay, complete amnesty, because we're messing up that whole thing of sending everyone all the uh, uh, black and Latino weed dealers on the underground go to jail, all the white people just get a slap on the wrist. So so at some point you just have to have a mass amnesty and say, well, since we're idiots and, and we're doing that, we can't do anything about it. We just gotta let everyone, um, everyone equally has to have the right to sell illegally, <laughs> uh, which is way better than just targeting people based on race or the color of their skin. That is for darn sure. So there's hopefully, hopefully I don't I don't know what the fix might be for that I really don't
0: yeah I'm not sure either I mean I've talked to <laughs> that scary <laughs> it scared me a little bit um <laughs> I've talked to a few lawyers that have some ideas and'll I'll float those in a second but to your point um University of Illinois in Chicago uh Ch- James Swartz, PhD he's a He's a researcher at the Jane Addams College of Social Work at UIC, and uh, he found, first of all, the Chicago Tribune had reported this a few years ago, which I guess uh, inspired him to look into this. He found that arrests persist in Illinois, predominantly in areas without cannabis dispensaries. Coincidentally, these areas have historically shouldered the brunt of those enduring policies.
1: Well, there you go. And then when they give licenses, probably going to be to some out-of-state, already wealthy, white entrepreneurs, and it's going to be a mess.
0: Yeah, yeah. And to back back to the point that that I feel like should be considered is, um, and this has been floated to me from like a defense attorney. He said that you know there needs to be a, a different mechanism for enforcement other than the criminal law in cannabis. He said, for example, in like different businesses. You would get a business offense, not a criminal offense, a business offense that's like proportionate to the damage you may have caused to society. So in some cases, you know, like, let's say just hypothetically, you were serving up liquor to some teens, you know, maybe you get hit with a $15,000 fine. I don't know. I just threw out a crazy number because it's like maybe you could argue if it was like a group of teens that was relative. relative. I don't know. I just, again, threw out just a random number. But the damage you may have caused to society, right? Because you're being irresponsible with your liquor license. Um, I don't know. Uh, what say you?
1: <laughs> I think i I support the other side of the solution. Che- get rid of the sin tax that's making it impossible for people to get the licenses. The high licensing fees and taxation rate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make licenses available to everybody not just fewer and fewer people um it, like, yes. the real failure of my whole career cole is that here we are started as this beautiful peace movement um trying to end war trying to show people how to live together in harmony um how cannabis is helpful and a helpful part of a healthy lifestyle um and in the end cannabis gets co-opted by the already wealthy american capitalism takes over and uh people of color long long-standing cannabis entrepreneurs like myself small cannabis farmers small manufacturers they're all just left out of the picture and there's no way in there's just no way back in at this point so there's no fix in my mind there's no fix that's why i just continue to be like okay yeah there's an illicit market no kidding the pot shops are getting robbed all the time no kidding you know, that is how it should be in a situation that got set up like this. It just is the way it is because of the way we did it. So it, it's idiocy, really, the the licensing and regulatory scheme. It's absolute idiocy. So well said, yeah, and that- cannabis 100 years illicitly. 100, we're all very comfortable continuing to do it, you know.
0: Right. Well, and that's kind of something that I like to bring up. Like a lot of these people want to talk about public safety and everything else, and they'll use that for a reason. to They justify these systems, right? Well, public safety and all this stuff. And I'm just like, cannabis has been trafficked for years, trafficked for years without major problems. That's always been the thing. Nobody dies yeah. from cannabis. Willie Nelson said the only person he ever has seen got hurt by cannabis is when a bale of it fell on his buddy. Um, but that's just a joke. Um, but yeah, it it just seems like at the very least, so like you, we started with decriminalization, but I really like how you spun that. And it's something that I've been trying to get in more into more people's heads. Like we need to, at the very least, first and foremost, have complete decriminalization. But at the very least, if like we need to have a fair and inclusive licensing system that enables everyone to participate and adhere to whatever regulations we have rather than, in, at least in Illinois. Uh, currently, we have a limited licensing system, which is, I argue, tied to the ongoing criminalization of cannabis. If that's the main enfor- enforcement mechanism, it's like, what else am I supposed to say? You know? Yeah,
1: it's not good. It's not a good situation. So,
0: But uh, to your point, I like how you spun that where it's like, the answer of course is decriminalization, but it's also giving everybody an opportunity to, to participate so they wouldn't be in a position to be breaking the law in the first place. Like I like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And until then, expect expect pot businesses to be robbed, expect the underground economy to flourish and you feel feel your feelings, but you know, that's just what the reality is.
0: Yeah. Well, my last question, um, and I know this is a one to chew on, but it's like, how do we, where do we go from here? <laughs> Help us, Debbie. You got us here.
1: Can, can you please keep driving? <laughs> Would Josh say, Um. okay, let's see. First of all, we're going to do Hash Wednesday. So we got that under control. Um, yep. Where do we go from here?
0: Well, and that's the thing, actually, that just to I'll give you the space to answer that question, but I was going to say that that's the idea in bringing hash Wednesday back is that it would get people's attention by we're smoking in public. Cause again, on its face, that's illegal. But then we, while we've got their attention, we can say, Hey, everybody should be able to grow cannabis, for example, because that's still not true. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Licensing all that stuff. But again, I wanted to give you, that's kind of the idea of bringing hash Wednesday. Cause I feel like I didn't give you that answer yet, but uh, to give you the space.
1: Well, how do we okay, get out of this? What do I think how we get out of it? Uh Um we have to uh we have to go back to the reality of how cannabis works. We've created, like I said I feel like my whole career's been a failure because it ended here it, with American capitalism in its worst most vile form taking over the cannabis industry and leaving everybody else as low-paid wage laborers. What a nightmare. It feels like such a huge failure. So we have to start there. This is never what was intended. This is not right. It's not sustainable. It's not going to work over the long run. And something has to change. But that's not where this is going at all. It's just rolling and rolling, rolling up into fewer and fewer owners, more few people getting rich. And, you know, pretty soon there'll be a Elon Musk of cannabis and everybody else will be out. And it's just, it's not going to be good. So what do we have to do? We have to probably start talking more about the cannabis culture and the failures of legalization. And that that what we were trying to do was create sociocultural shift where people smoked cannabis and the, and the nature of the plant is creative gentleness. We thought that the more people that would smoke weed, the more creative gentleness we would see out of people and community, community building. Let's get back to that. Let's remember this. We didn't legalize it for the capitalistic, let's all make money we legalized it cuz we wanted a better society and we think cannabis is a part of creating a better society so that's what that's what i think is that we have to focus now more on sociocultural and what we wanted and what we actually want and to me that's the nature of the cannabis plant speaks to what we want when you consume cannabis that's what we want the world to feel like a little just a little better A little sparklier, a little more gentle. Music is a little bit better. Your dog is a little softer. You know, everything is just a little bit better, and that's what cannabis is. Cannabis, cannabis legalization should have made things a little bit better, and it did not at all. So, I mean, you know, unless you can, okay, let me backtrack for my statement. Yes, more less people are getting arrested, and people got out of jail, but we did not create a kinder and gentle, more gentle nation out of cannabis. We created a greedy green rush. That's only helping a few people. We created an illicit underground market. That's just as strong as it ever was. And, um, and we're not hanging out in community. We're going into these cold, uncomfortable, weird weed shops and getting our stuff and scurrying back, not knowing where to get together to consume together. So that's, the job is far from done. So. yep.
0: Well said, well said. Um, And, you know, I, I, can appreciate your backtrack because I've had to do the same thing. People will call me and be like, Cole, you act like we haven't accomplished anything. And it's like, yeah, but it's not good enough.
1: Yeah. People. Exactly. That's the
0: way I look at it. You know? So yes, I will take what we can get, but it's we, our work, our work remains far from over, as you said, and moving forward, folks, I hope that, uh, you know, we place greater emphasis around some of the topics we talked about today. That was the whole reason i wanted to bring back hash wednesday not only in conversation form but hey maybe in the future we'll bring it back
1: uh uh, in the form of protest let's have fun get together to have fun and feel better
0: after all the first sentence from our law that legalized cannabis i've just got it pulled up right now i just love this and this is where we can close it's in the interest of allowing law law enforcement to focus on violent and property crime The general assembly finds and declares that the use of cannabis should be legal for persons 21 years age or older. So perhaps maybe it's time that we grant law enforcement, the capacity to concentrate uh, on those matters, you know,
1: Yes. can we add the words and fun? That would be good. That would solve everything. Cannabis should be legal and fun. That would be fine.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, Debbie, anything else before we close? Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation today and I look forward to maybe even having you back on the show in the future if you'd be up for it.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. Bring me and Josh together sometime if you can do it too for it. That'd be so fun. That'd be awesome. Reunion show. Um, I don't have anything else. I think it was really fun and I'm glad that you're talking to people about Hash Wednesday. Honestly, I really do think that that 88 bust was the formative, it was the foundation of when the modern cannabis movement stuff kicked off. So um you know, nana na boo boo, we told you you couldn't stop us. Um, thank you for busting us so that we could legalize marijuana from that, from that moment forward, things went into high, high, high gear, all the puns intended. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, um, again, I had a great time with you today. I hope you had fun. Yeah. And um, cool. Well, uh, folks, I hope you found as much value in this conversation as I did. We'll see you on the next episode of the Cole Memo. Take care.
1: Awesome. Michael.